You are indeed. It's six minutes after seven o'clock. We are back here with the Monday night edition of the Employment Hour. Dave Vaughn is your guy, my guy, everyone's guy. And uh, to answer your questions here tonight, Dave will be doing so. The phone lines are open right now, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You have questions about your job, your severance, your boss, workplace rights, workplace harassment, anything under that rather large umbrella of employment we cover over the next 50 minutes. So lots of time for you to call in. We'll get to the severance pay calculator. That will tell you exactly what your severance should be your first step before you even call dave or uh, go anywhere else severancepaycalculator.com more in depth on that i'm sure dave will make reference to it uh through phone calls and otherwise as the evening goes on we'll get to in a little while uh general termination severance questions and topics your emails as well and the phone calls as we progress so welcome to uh, a nice monday night brother what uh, what do you got going on for the week that was yeah, the uh, first uh, situation I wanted to talk about actually uh, highlights a, a number of different issues that uh, we've talked about on the show uh, many times, and that come up a lot. And uh, in the case I settled last week, there, I had a, a client with three years of service, uh, senior manager uh, role, fifty-five years old, and uh, his you know his compensation was base salary, uh, a bonus, car allowance, pension, uh, and and benefits. And at the time of termination, he was offered five months of base salary. And uh, to get this, he had to sign a release, including a non-solicitation agreement, which effectively would have prevented him from working uh, in his industry uh, for, for a year. And it was a 12-month non-solicitation. And uh, so that was the offer. And at first glance, someone would say, okay, you know, he's three years of service, five months isn't that bad. Um, but there was a lot of issues with this with this offer. The first was there was nothing on account of the accrued bonus for basically all of 2017 uh, and their year went into 2018. So basically there was an accrued bonus um, that wasn't offered at all. Second, the uh, bonus wasn't offered for the no- for the five-month notice period and there was nothing uh, on account of the car allowance for that amount of time. So it was just base salary and benefits. And uh, the third you know, big issue is the non-compete. So they're giving him, they're offering him five months pay, but uh, or, or the non-solicit, um, which it was effectively a non-compete. So he's not even going to be able to get a job for twelve months. Uh-huh. Um, and so, obviously, given all these uh, deficiencies and issues with the offer, we engaged in a negotiation. Over the course of a couple of weeks, we were able to get them up to an eight-month severance package based on full compensation, including the accrued bonus, and they removed the non-solicitation agreement. Um, and uh, so that was the uh, that was the, ne- the negotiation. It was a relatively quick pro- uh, process, but um, you know it involved getting the uh, getting the jurisprudence, the case law out there to the company, and so their lawyer could discuss with them um, how their offer was uh, you know inadequate. And um, a, a couple points to make from this uh, the situation. One is the uh, you can't just look at the months or the weeks you have to look yep. at or you have to make sure that that those you know involve all or include all forms of compensation because you know you can get uh, you know it may look like a good offer but if you have to you have to really look at it and make sure it's everything you could have earned um, second there's no easy formula for um, you know month per year of service uh, short service people who are older in their 50s or 60s and who have senior well-paying positions are generally going to get um, you know, significantly more than a month per year service, uh, especially when they're you know, one to three years um, yeah. uh, of service. The third issue is you know, we, we talk a lot about you know, th- those, those factors, age, length of service, position, and the availability of similar work. 
other factors come into the analysis when talking about a severance package and, and whether it's fair. And if you try to get an employee to sign a, you know, effectively not be able to work for a year, well, that's going to impact the severance package. And there's no way he could have agreed to that 12-month non-solicit um, without getting probably an 18-month severance package um, because he wasn't even able to contact his clients and customers and people in the industry for a full year. So he's basically delayed by a year um, his job search. So um, that's, that just shows that it's not always it's not just about age, length of service position. Other factors do come into it that will prevent or hinder someone's ability to find a new job. Yeah, we've always said all components of your compensation must factor into uh, your Lee or walking out the door, right? Uh, what else you got going on? Yeah, another case I had was where a husband and a wife um, worked at a company, and the husband was terminated for cause, and they then terminated the wife as well um, on a without cause basis. And uh, you know they did they uh, you know, alluded to her husband's you know, the allegation against her husband. In alleged, you know, in in terminating her employment, and obviously right. this, you know, on the face of it, seems very unfair. Um, you know, your her husband did something which arguably was caused, but um, she uh, did nothing wrong. And uh, the, but the the company made the decision that um, that was, uh, you know, they they didn't want to have both of them together, which um, could could have brought up a, a human rights uh, issue right. in terms of family status because she was basically being fired because of her husband. Um, wow. and, uh, you know, the severance package offered was very, was very low. Um, they obviously didn't allege cause, but they still, it was a very bad offer. But, um, given the, the potential human rights liability there, um, we were able to, uh, get the, get the, the wife in the situation, a fair severance package. And, uh, obviously, you know, the fact that her husband did something wrong should not in any way reflect on her. And, uh, and we were able to uh, convince the, uh, the employer of that after, uh, you know, going through, uh, some, some back and forth with their lawyer. If the employer was a little more savvy, what should they have done off the off the start? Well, I mean, the one way to do it is to just not um, fire the wife. <laughs> right. She did nothing wrong. Um, you know, if you're going to make that decision, you think it's easier for your business that she's gone. Um, and it was a, a relatively big company, so we, it's not like yeah. there was you know four or five people working there. It was, it was a big enough company that um, it, it wouldn't have, uh, in my view, impacted anything. So. Uh, you know, I would have advised them not to to go ahead with that because they they are exposing themselves to liability. Um, but they made the decision, and uh, you know, I guess that's the cost of doing business at times. To quote John Travolta, they should have better known better. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on your cell or one triple eight two two five talk. That is the toll free number for the remainder of the evening. You got questions for Dave? Bring them on. Would love to talk to you, Andre. Opening call. How are you, pal? Yes, hi, good evening. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'm calling actually on behalf of my wife. My wife is a teacher. She's a retired teacher, and she has uh, two specialties, special ed and French, which are in huge demand in, uh, in the greater Toronto area. Yeah. And yet she is prevented from working more than 50 days a year without forfeiting her pension. And I was wondering, is there any way to get around that? Is she in the union? Yes, well, she she has oh, to, right? I mean, right. Is, uh, even sure she's retired, she does have to to pay uh, some union dues. Yes. Yeah. So she would have to go through the union uh, to deal with that issue. Yeah. So um, I, I believe it's a, actually it's a law uh, in in Ontario. It says in the Employment Act somehow for teachers, and I'm, I just don't understand how they can be constitutional where you're preventing someone from from you know exercising their profession. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure how the impact of that would be. It's probably it could be in the collective agreement or the the actual pension plan itself. Um, but if she had issues with it, she would have to just go through the union and try to get that sorted out. Okay, appreciate okay. it. Thank you very much. 
Thanks, Andre. Appreciate that. Again, we should uh, reiterate from time to time that, uh, you know, if you're under a, a CBA collective bargaining agreement, if you're part of a union, you cannot go outside to seek, you know, uh, legal help from someone like yourself, right? That's correct. And uh, in that situation, uh, the union should be able to answer the questions and, uh, and, and deal with that situation. And uh, I'm not saying that uh, she's going to, you know, th- that that rule wouldn't apply, but at least she'd get an explanation. Right. Uh, topic for tonight as we uh, carry on. You got more phone calls lined up uh, throughout the evening. Termination and severance. So I, we like to talk about this, but I, I throw it at you once in a while. And that is, why can't the labor board help an employee that has lost his job? Yeah, that's a great question, and it's something that comes up quite a bit. I'll speak to oh. people, and they say, you know, I, I went to the labor board or the Ministry of Labor, and they uh, they said that you know it was a, a fair offer, or was all I was entitled to, and uh, that's because the the Ministry of Labor, the labor board, can only help an employee recover their minimum statutory entitlements. Um, so at, when you're terminated, when you're let go, uh, they can only enforce the uh, Employment Standards Act minimums, which right. um, you know, for termination pay maxes out at eight weeks and for severance pay um, maxes out uh, 26 weeks. Uh, so that's all you can get and that's all they can help you uh, recover. And basically what you do is you forfeit um, your common law severance entitlement if you bring a claim uh, at the Ministry of Labor against your employer. So although they can help you get that um, that you know termination pay and severance pay under the ESA, it's a fraction of what you could get in common law in most cases. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, 1-888-225-TALK is the number. Uh, Don, you're up next. Good evening, Don. Hello, how are you? Good, pal. What's, uh, what's happening with you tonight? Okay, what I did is I I was let go from my job without cause. I was involved in a very uh, protracted settlement discussion that lasted 18 months. Uh, eventually, this was the, the a debate was whether I was going to have salary continuance or whether I was just going to take a lump sum settlement. Eventually, at the end of the 18 months, the offer came across as as I was going to take a lump sum settlement. As part of my minutes of my settlement, there was a a clause in, in the agreement that said I was able to convert my life insurance as per every other management-type employee, which was a 30-day, management employees are a 30-day converted to, uh, to a private coverage. When I went to invoke that conversion right, I was told that I would have to pay back the premiums back to the point of when my last day theoretically worked was, which was 18 months ago. Just to let you know, the cost of that transaction is about $25,000 for a variety of reasons. And so, so who was telling you that, the life insurance company or the employer? The employer is telling me that because the employer told the life insurance company that my last day worked was the 18 months ago. So the life insurance company said I was time barred, and then they said on a one-time special deal, they would allow me to buy back this time frame. And I'm sitting there, my argument with them is is that's kind of like a, like a unjust enrichment, for want of a better term. Like, had I have died during that period, they wouldn't have written a check. Right. They want me to pay these premiums back. I said, you can't ask for a premium for which you've offered no value, no service, no exchange. It tantamounts almost to fraud, right? Well, the I think so, the main issue, should, like the employer um, provided you know, incorrect information in a sense. And like, 
Because the severance period ran for 18 months, right? Well, the severance period didn't know. The severance period did not go for 18 months. The settlement took 18 months. Oh, so what was the severance package for? The severance was 15. Okay, 15 months. Yeah. And um, and the okay, that's a that's a difficult situation, and it you'd have to either uh, you know, ask the employer um, to put a value on that and pay for that, um, or see what you can do vis-a-vis the insurance company. Yeah, well, I'm working with the insurance company and that and the employer. Okay. And the employers is is taking the stand that that they want. It's my responsibility from the date they actually terminated me, which was 18 months ago, right? Okay. I, w- I mean, the only thing, I assume the insurance company isn't going to budge on it. So you, to me, the, the only... Well, the insurance company wants money. I don't know Well, that's why what I mean. They're not going to budge on it. Yeah, yeah but, but they've, had, they've had no risk. They've had no... Like, uh, like I'm not impressed with this. My no, I wouldn't be either. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But to me, the, the only recourse would be to get the employer to pay for that or to cover that because um you know they they should have told you that it was going to expire 30 days after the actual termination um right right yeah so, so i don't think the, in, the the recourse is through the insurance company i think it's through the employer in, the employer. in, in terms of settlement too. i do too yeah can i ask just one more question while sure we're here? absolutely Part of this severance agreement that was signed off, and it was executed through through a pretty good attorney, sure, someone you'd know. Um, it has said it prohibits me from 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 launching any other lawsuit pertaining to this settlement. You know the standard clause. You, yeah. you know what I'm saying, right? I don't think I would apply in this case. It generally, a release like that would generally not apply to the. Um, the, the terms of the settlement. So if you know you're, they're supposed to continue benefits for a certain amount of time or pay you a certain amount of money and they don't, they can't rely on the release to, to you know, prevent you from going after them for that. So right. the release um, presumes that the, it only comes into effect when the terms of settlement have been met. So what you'd have to argue is somehow that um, the term not be met. Okay, I understand. Yeah, yeah. that that yeah. somehow there was a an implied term as part of the uh, arrangement that the thirty days didn't start until you signed or until you returned it. Yes. Right. Or that now, they represented to you that mm-hmm. you still had the thirty days. Otherwise, there's no there's no point to have that in the minutes of settlement a year exactly. and a half later. Exactly. So that and would be the way to go about it. Don, I'm going to put you on hold there and uh, just cut you off there. we got to move on, but you want to uh, get a hold of Dave outside of the show hour, uh, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmenthour.com as well. Mark, I see you standing by. We'll get to you and your phone calls as well. Lines are open. Uh, give us a call, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, one 225 talk toll-free. This is the Employment Hour, Global News Radio. It is 7.26, the Monday night edition of the Employment Hour. We are back here Wednesday night as well at 7 o'clock. The weekend shows and, of course, Employment Hour in 30 happens on Global TV and CTV on Saturday and Sunday mornings. Uh, Mark in Shelburne is up next. Let me just get Mark on the line here. And there we go. Hey, Mark, thanks for hanging in, pal. How are you? Good, good. How are you guys? Good. What's going on with you? Uh, I'm in dire need of some help, and I would like to reach out to you guys to see uh, what I can uh, establish Okay. Uh, let me just kind of explain. I'm a chef by trade. 
I suffer from uh, severe anxiety and depression and was let go from my job. And uh, now I'm, I'm trying to battle it out with the former employer. When were you let go, Mark? I was let go of September 2016. Okay. Uh, you have, to, you have to move relatively quickly. It's a two-year limitation period. Right. So I, I, um, I'm in the process with the Human Rights Tribunal because I filed immediately after I was let go. Okay. Uh, in July of 2016, I, was, uh, oh, I had opened a restaurant in Collingwood uh, for a hotel brand. And uh, after working excessive hours, you know, I'm talking over 100 hours a week, I started to express in July of 2016 that I was burnt out, stressed out, um, you know, putting in way too many hours, not having work-life balance, missing my wife and children, not being able to see them all. And then in September of 2016, I brought it up again with the Human uh, Resources Director, only to be let go the very next day. Wow. They said they terminated me with cause, but uh, I don't think that it was with cause. What were their cause allegations? They said that I was, uh, they said that I was, uh, you know, too strict with my policies. And I think being a chef, you should be strict. You should have, you know, severe gu- uh, guidelines when it comes to food and health and safety. Um, but it wasn't so much that as it was just that, uh, you know, I, I was I was burnt out and probably not performing the job as best as I could be because I was excessively working with, you know hours that I recorded uh, based on how much time I was working per week and I I tried to go through with the uh, employment labor board as well and that didn't get me anywhere okay and uh, so when what's the next uh, like what's happening in the human rights tribunal Um, so with the human rights tribunal I have a date set in October and uh, right now I'm trying to find representation I was served a letter from the uh, former employers lawyer today and there's a few things, and this is why I'm calling this evening, because they're asking for medical records from September 2015 till present. They're asking for my tax returns, which I find very weird, uh, from 2016 and 2017. And I, I guess unintentionally, accidentally sent um, the documents uh, when I was sending them to the Human Rights Tribunal, as well as to the former uh, employer's lawyer. I sent my notes as well um, with that. So I guess those would be my arguments. Okay. So that was a mistake on my behalf, but I'm I'm really stressed out over all of this. And what what I'm afraid of is, in, especially what we know with Anthony Bourdain and and the things that you know he just or was going through, and then you know ended up taking his own life. That I don't want that to be me. And I'm I'm a 20 year veteran of being a chef, and I, I love what I do. But the hospitality industry has to change, right. and it excessively abuses people like you would not believe. Okay, so to go. Uh you know, to make sure you're addressing the, the situation, you know, the, the best you can, um, both from at the Human Rights Tribunal and potentially, um, you know, through the courts, please give us a call um, tomorrow and uh, and we can, you know, review the documents with you and go over everything in detail. Uh, I'd obviously prefer not to do that uh, right now just so, uh, just to protect your uh, privacy and everything and, and ensure, um, you know, Sorry. that... Yeah, just to ensure that uh, you can actually you know, prepare properly for this. Of course, I did send you guys an email consultation this evening. Oh, perfect. That's great. So it has so, my details and my name and all that kind of stuff that you guys would require. So we'll, we'll be in touch with you tomorrow then. Okay. Um, after 4.30 works best as I commute from Brampton to Shelburne. Sounds good.
Thank you, Mike. I appreciate the uh, the phone call again. You got the email, but uh, just to go through it over again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred or one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to give it to you a a second time. Uh, there, uh, you as well got plenty of time to call through, get your questions on the air, like Mark just did four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell and one triple eight two two five. Talk that number is toll free. Our uh, discussion, brother, on termination severance continues. So, uh, if I were to get, just ask you, ballpark with all the years you've been doing this, how often do you come across inadequate severance offers? I would say that it's probably 95% at least um, of the offers I see are below what they should be. It is very rare, and I'm always pleasantly surprised when you see an Mm -hmm. offer that actually just makes a lot of sense uh, and is fair to the employee um, and and reflects their actual um, common law termination entitlement. So, um, the odds are, if you're if you're let go, uh, the odds are that the severance package is going to be below um, what it ought to be. So, if you were to uh, just for a second put on your employment uh, employer lawyer hat now, uh, how can an employer, as opposed to employee, minimize the cost of severance that it has to pay an employee? Yeah, the best way to do that is to have employment agreements containing termination provisions, and the termination provisions should be carefully drafted and should set a specific number uh, or formula that you'll provide the employee when they're terminated. And a lot of these termination provisions will, um, you know, that we see that are effective, limit it to the Employment Standards Act minimum. So you're actually getting rid of common law. Um, So you don't have that uh, issue. And at the time of termination, if you want to provide the employee with more um, in exchange for a release, you can do that. Um, But um, you, if you want to, you know, be really safe, you have a you limit the uh, termination to entitlements to the employment standard act minimum. Now, one of the issues that employers are going to say or you know see in that is you're not going to be able to get right. um, a, maybe as talented of employees if you're only giving the minimums. You may want to offer them a formula, but at least have, offer a formula that you're comfortable with uh, and something that you know that okay, if it doesn't work out, if we have to let this uh, you know this person go at a certain time. This is exactly how much we have to pay them. Um, so you can agree to that uh, in advance. So it doesn't have to be the minimums. You can come up with that. Just like you know, you come up with a, a bonus structure and a salary, you can come up with a, an exit uh, formula. And that way everyone knows what happens. The employee knows what happens if they're let go at a certain time and the employer knows. And they, can, you know, they know the cost of doing that. Um, you know, if you're going to do that, ensure that the employment agreement is contained uh, or is signed uh, with valid, you know, valid consideration. So it should be signed before the person starts work. Um, so, so when they accept the job, they should sign an employment agreement with the termination clause. A lot of the time, what I see is employers will, especially smaller employers, will you know they'll hear about how they should have these termination clauses. Maybe they go to a seminar, read an article, or something like that, and they just introduce an employment agreement with a termination clause right. and have the employees sign it. So even worse, sometimes they put it in the policy manual on, on the uh, on the you know <laughs> online system or just uh, you know at, at the office. That's definitely going to be unenforceable. The, the policy manual. Um, if you introduce an employment agreement without ha- without giving them anything, um, you know, if you just have them sign it, even though they sign it and continue to work, it's not going to be enforceable unless you give them something in return for it. So that should be a signing bonus, a raise, uh, or some type of uh, other type of benefit. Um, so that's the, the the best way to do that. Uh, the best way to understand your uh, what 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 it's going to cost to let someone go. Another way to do it, um, which isn't always ideal for employers, is to provide working notice of termination. Right. So apart from the statutory severance pay under the Employment Standards Act, 
severance pay under the common law can be provided by way of working notice. So you can actually tell an employee, you know, in 12 months you're going to be let go. This will be your last day of work. And that counts as the severance package, uh, as part of the severance package. So if you owe an employee, um, you know, 18 months, you can get rid of, you know, a big chunk of that if you give a year's working notice. Now, right. a lot of employers are going to find that uh, awkward or not, um, you know, not uh, ideal in terms of their, their business. And uh, so, you know, that's why a lot of people do lump sums if you're an employer. But another way to do it if you're not going to uh, do working notice and, and you don't want to do a lump sum is you can actually do salary continuation with a clawback if they get a new job. So you can, okay. and, and then you can, so you can actually say, you know, we'll continue your salary for 12 months. In the event you get a new job, uh, you have to let us know and we'll stop paying you and we'll give you, you know, 50% of what's left. Um, then provide a reference letter or a confirmation of employment letter. Um, you can provide outplacement counseling. And then hopefully the employee can get a job quite quickly and then you stop paying them and you pay them a small amount just to encourage them uh, or, or, you know, 50% of what's left just to encourage them to get that job. That third one seems like the most likely scenario I would imagine in the workforce, right? It li- yeah, it probably is. I mean, the most common yeah. ones I see are lump sums. Um, lump sum severance packages are the most common for sure. Uh, but we do see uh, salary continuations with clawbacks. Uh, smaller companies that may not have the cash to just you know fork out a big severance package uh, and a lump sum, or companies that just want to uh, have some credit for that uh, if the employee does get a new job. Uh, yeah, the the working notice is rare. Um, in most cases, there's you know there are there's a reason someone's being let go. A lot of the time, it does come down to fit or business reasons or, or something like that. And so the employer probably doesn't want that person uh, around and uh, it can make it uncomfortable right. um, if you're, you know, give them you know, a big chunk of time that they're working knowing that they have to have to leave soon. 416-870-6400, star 640 on Stealth. Still plenty of time for you to call in, ask your questions, go for it. one 225 talk That number is toll free. Um, what happens with employment insurance if you receive severance? Yeah, that's an, another very common uh, issue that comes uh, up. So, well, makes um, sense, right? Yeah, so you can't get employment insurance and severance yeah. pay at the same time. So that covers the same period of time. So if you're let go, and let's say you're let go, uh, you know, and you're given four months worth of severance pay, uh, right. after you're not going to be able to get sever or uh, employment insurance until the conclusion of that four months. But you should still contact Service Canada right away and initiate the process, and they'll they'll know how to you know they'll tell you that, and they'll say when you're going to get it. Uh, so let's say you know you're offered four months, but you actually should get a year um, worth okay. of severance pay. So you, you get paid the four months, and then we challenge it, and maybe we have to uh, you know, go to a mediation and try to negotiate a better severance package. Uh, and that happens in six months, let's say. So there's okay. two months that you'd actually be getting employment insurance because the severance package ran out. Oh, right? okay. And then if we get a settlement for more, you'd actually have to pay back some of that employment insurance um, because of the severance pay you're getting. So you can't double dip. Is can't double dip. <laughs> yeah, which makes sense. It's the you know the objective of and the purpose of employment insurance and severance is to you know basically bridge the gap of unemployment. So um, you're not going to be able to get both. Now, employment insurance only is only a percentage of the income you would have earned anyway. So um, you know it's it's always better to go for the severance pay and you, you know, bet. view the employment insurance as what it is, which is uh, an insurance policy uh, until you get a new job uh, and until that severance uh, you know runs out. Um, but uh, I always say, you know, apply for EI or Contact Service Canada right away um, yeah. and uh, and then, you know, deal with it once the settlement comes. 
you know, there's all different kinds of employees, mom and pop shops, but still a few of those around big corporations. Is it likely to be able to successfully negotiate severance with a very large employer like a, a bank, car manufacturer, those ones? Yeah, this is another uh, big, uh, big topic that comes up a lot. I uh, speak to employees who uh, have been let go and they say, you know, we go over the law and I'll explain to them exactly, you know, what their entitlements yeah. are and why. Uh, and then after they, you know, at the end of it, they say, yeah, but you know, this is a, a huge company. They'll be able to fight me and, uh, and yeah. whatnot. David but, Goliath, right? Right. I can tell you that, first of all, your legal entitlements don't change just because it's a, a big company or a small company, other than a bigger company may actually owe you more because they may owe you statutory severance pay. But right. um, whether the company you know, has hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue or it has, you know, hundred thousand uh, dollars in revenue it doesn't change your termination entitlement at common law um, I also find that the big employers are actually the easiest to deal with because uh, they're sophisticated parties they understand the law and a lot of the time it's never personal it's always just viewed as a business decision yeah, so um, I actually find you know reaching out to them and trying to negotiate a severance packages actually the uh, goes a lot smoother and is a lot better than uh, maybe if you're dealing with a, a family-owned company or a, a business or an employer where the employee was uh, you know, you know, worked closely with the owner and is now you know, getting a lawyer to go after him. Um, the, the big companies aren't going to uh, you know, let that uh, bother them. They're just going to analyze it based on the law. They'll get uh, sophisticated advice and uh, you know, we can usually uh, end up resolving those. Get to a, a call. Yasmin, how are you? Good evening. Good, good, good. Is it John? Yeah. Okay. All right, John, my question uh, to you both is, like, I was severed from the company I worked for 22 years. Uh, like, I was listening to uh, the severance that they give. That's what I got. After about 14 or 15 months, uh, I went on to take EI. So while doing that, you know, they, they gave us the choice of taking up pension because I'm, I was 55 plus. I could go for early retirement. So I took my pension and, you know, you get the East like the share ownership plans that you can contribute, the the company contributes and we contribute, that kind of thing, right? So how my question is, how does that affect EI? So you you got a severance package of 15 months. Yes. You then started EI, but you've also okay. at the same time uh, started no, no, collecting... No, no, no. At the end of the severance package, I got my EI. Right. So in, right. in the meantime, we have six months within which we can either opt to take a monthly pension or take the lump sum. So I opted for the lump sum because I wanted to invest it and, you know, live off of that. So your question is whether the pension will reduce your EI. Yes, that plus I got the share ownership, uh, like, the ones that yeah. where you... Yeah, where they pay you out the... The company and uh, us, like for every dollar, they contribute a 50 cents or something like that. Right. You know? So those monies came to me. How does that affect my EI is my question. It's a great question, and you'd have to contact Service Canada about that. Uh, they'll be able to tell you exactly um, what counts as uh, to reduce EI. Okay, I have, and I'm waiting on them. So I thought, in the meantime, you might know what what it right. would be. Right. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't deal with the uh, the interplay between uh, pension and and EI. You'd have to contact Service Canada about that. Waiting on Service Canada. That's new. Uh, back to our uh, discussion anyway. Termination severance. Um, I'll throw this one at you now. So, what if an employee that is let go becomes sick or uh, or injured and they can't look for a job? Will that impact severance? Yeah, that uh, that definitely will. If uh, 
you know, if an employee's, well, there's two different ways, uh, scenarios okay. this can come up. If an employee's sick uh, or, you know, injured and can't look for work and they're let go, uh, that's, you know, a potential human rights violation right. and, you know, bad faith damages and also will impact the severance period or the severance package because they can't look for work and the whole purpose of severance pay is to bridge the gap of unemployment. Uh, or at least, you know, their their ability to look for work and the jobs they can uh, apply to uh, are going to be limited. So that'll absolutely increase the severance package. And by how much will just depend on the circumstances, depend on the injury, the uh, the medical issues that the person's uh, experiencing. Now, if a person's let go and then becomes sick or or injured after, there's obviously no human rights violation there. But the same the same uh, principle applies that. It can extend the severance period and you know increase the severance package because their ability to search for alternative employment has been hindered or you know possibly stopped. So uh, you know going back to uh, the week that was, um, when we talk about uh, there's other factors that yep. impact how much severance pay someone's owed. It's not all. It's not just age, years of service, and position, even though those are the primary ones. But uh, and you know in the in my. Uh, a situation we were talking about that was the non-compete that was going to limit his ability to look yeah. for work. Now, in this case, um, it, it's similar, and just in the sense that it's you know if you look at the the normal age, years of service, and position, you're going to increase whatever the severance package is and what that person's owed because of the injury um, and because of the uh, they can't look for a job. We'll get to a uh, another call here, and it is uh, John. John, good evening. How are you? Not so bad. How you doing? Good, man. What's uh, what's going on with you tonight? Well, pretty much, it's uh, I've been listening to the show for the last for the last while, uh, and I've been Good. dealing with something at work. Figured I'd call in and just ask about it. Uh, Excellent. Because my um, my employer, they have their own version of what you know harassment in the in the workplace, how it should be dealt with. But I was wondering what uh, legally uh, their mm-hmm. actual responsibilities are as the employer uh, for dealing with harassment. Well, all employers have an obligation to. Uh, address complaints of harassment uh, and take steps to stop that and protect you know someone who's being harassed. Um, you know, and, and obviously the the specifics or particulars of that will right. you know, <laughs> depend on the situation. So, um, do you have a uh, specific you know situation you're dealing with or someone's dealing uh, with? Pretty much, it's just there's a lot of um, there's a lot of um, what's it called uh, insults, uh, people screaming. Uh, directed at me, directed at other people. There's a lot of, um, what's it called? Uh, I guess you can say sabotage in the workplace, that kind of thing. And it's all documented and I have proof of everything. And the only thing that my employer said is I have to con- I have to confront them about it, the person who's doing it. So I, it just really seems strange to me that, you know, uh, such a large company, their way of dealing with harassment in the workplace is to confront the harasser. Because my opinion of that is that, you know, hey, this could escalate into something worse if right. I were confront the harasser because these guys are kind of you know eh. yeah yeah, you, yeah who's- you could put yourself in you, know, you could just bring on more harassment or even something worse um oh exactly and that's right. what i've done I've, uh, I've i have confronted uh, the guys these guys about it a couple times already and then you know their my employer's response is that if their response to you is you know like you know flip the finger at you then they then that's when they have to jump in and take over but no yeah, I don't. Yeah, that, that, I disagree with that, and I think that is a that come that is a misconception we see sometimes. And uh, employers say, "Well, you have to tell the person about it." Well, a lot of the time, the whole the nature of uh, workplace harassment and uh, bullying and whatnot is that the person who 
the target of it isn't comfortable talking to the, those doing it. Of course. Um, that doesn't yeah. mean that the employer is allowed to, um, you know, avoid the responsibilities. Uh, well, so exactly what they've been, they've been doing for the last two years. Right. Uh, that I've been wow. So, and, and if you keep bringing it up with them and there's really nothing, if they're not doing anything and uh, it's continuing, uh, that could be uh, a constructive dismissal and you'd uh, be permitted to basically treat your employment as having been terminated and um, you know, get a severance package from them. Obviously, it'll depend on um, you know what's been you know, the, the, the written evidence and everything, but so you'd want to uh, sit down with uh, someone at a firm and talk about that and go through that and make sure uh, that, uh, you know, we can prove everything. Um, you know, the other thing is, obviously, uh, I don't know what your objective is. It, it sounds like you have a pretty good, uh, you know, a, a good job that uh, you've been at for uh, some time. So um, if the, the objective is just to remedy that uh, harassment, that's something we can also help you with. Yeah, well, pretty much the, my objective with this, well, obviously, like, I, I want it to stop, but I just, all the harassment is coming from people who have been there between 15 and 25 years. Right. And they have, and this was something that I heard down the, uh, down like, through the grapevine kind of thing, which is that they have a, uh, a no-payout policy. So pretty much anyone that has uh, seniority in these places, they run the place. Because they don't want yeah. to get rid of those people, basically. Exactly. Right. They won't get rid of them. They'll just wait. They'll just hire, you know, temps in and let them deal with it and then get rid of them at the end of the season kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm just one of the few people that I've been able to put up with it for the last two years. How long have you been there? Uh, two years now. So you've been there the uh, the entire time you've been there. It's been going on. Um, it was okay at the beginning. Um but because, you know, I was learning how to do the job, but once they realized that I was learning it quickly and I was finding ways to do it that was increasing productivity, immediately I was a target. Are you in the union? Nope. No, okay. Nope. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, basically, you know, if you've exhausted all options at the company with, uh, you know, management and human resources and you feel like nothing's happening, um, at that point you can uh, either, uh, you know, we can help you either reach out to the company and try to ha- stop that harassment and bullying, uh, or um, it, it could end up being a situation where we talk about a severance package because it sounds like a very uh, difficult situation. John, appreciate your call. That's where we're going to uh, stop it for tonight. Again, I, I, I recommend indeed that you call Dave uh, tomorrow. That number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. You can email as well help at employmenthour dot com. We uh, made reference to it, and I know Dave can do it in his head, but the rest of us can't. Severancepaycalculator dot com. You want to find out the severance you should be owed. That is the website you want to use. Back here Wednesday night at seven o'clock for more of your phone calls. The weekend shows and Employment Hour and Thirty happens on Global TV and CTV on Saturday, Sunday mornings as well. Till next time, this has been the Employment Hour on Point with Alex Pearson is coming right back right here on Global News Radio.